Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. I'm sorry. I missed the last couple of weeks. I'm sorry. I don't even have an excuse other than, you know, I made a big mistake getting really organized a while ago and like, you know, banking a ton of episodes and I was just way ahead of everything. And then I was out of the loop of staying on top of things and then suddenly I just got jammed up. Sort of, uh, you know, my life was changing to summertime and I was doing a lot of driving back and forth from West Hampton to the city, doing a ton of spots and I just kind of... I got to admit, my my focus came off the pot a little bit, and I apologize. Just a little bit of an adjustment period. I had to get my mind back in the game. So we're back. I, I have an episode. We have a great episode coming up, and I have somebody lined up for next week. So today we have Ashley Gavin, amazing comic. She talks about hey, comic based in New York. She talks about coming out and uh, you know just just being a, a gay comic. And also, we talk at the end of the episode about uh, first openly active footballer coming out as a gay American footballer. And uh, we have a lot of fun uh, on the episode. Uh, oh, also, super interesting, she talks about being a, the first openly gay comedian on a Carnival Cruise Line. Uh, and she's got some funny stories about that. It's a really good app. Uh, next week, we're going to have Mark Hayes, who... Is a court comedian that lives in L.A. that I, I didn't know about. And then suddenly I saw him on Krista Stefano's story, and I was like, wait a minute. How, how is there a fucking guy from Cork doing comedy in L.A.? I've never heard about him. So I immediately reached out, and uh, he's going to be on the, epnic, uh, on the pod next week. Um, I will say, though, that I haven't been keeping up the Patreon. And this is not a, a plea to get people to subscribe to the Patreon, but I haven't been completely lazy. You know, there is a thing about having subscribers, you know, that pay, that just keeps you focused and... Uh, you know the Patreon is. It's. It, I, I'm not even really pushing you to subscribe to the Patreon, but it's it's a, it's a very specific thing, and some people like it. It's very sort of like involved. You know, people commenting and stuff, but it is good fun. So that has been going. So if that is your bag, uh, you know, sort of like helping to drive the conversation by uh, commenting, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Des Bishop. Uh, it's only a fiver a month, and there's at least two episodes a week. It's supposed to be three, but there's always at least two, and. Uh, I give a heads up when they're coming up um, in the summer. They haven't been as uh, as on schedule because my, my, my summer schedule is a bit more all over the place. But needless to say, enough of me making excuses for myself. It's just a straight-up apology. I missed two weeks, and I know that. But we got a really fun, interesting episode coming up to make up for it. Don't forget to hit me up uh, in the DMs at Des Bishop. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of Spotify, where all the energy and the money is shifting, and uh, just let the people know that the Desperate Podcast is still going, and it's still great fun, and uh, we'll be back at the end of the episode. Here is Ashley Gavin, and I'll talk to you after the app. Ashley Gavin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you You, for having me. 
you know, uh, like so many of, like, I'm not a great guest booker, you know, uh, and like so many of my Thank guests. You. That, what a way to introduce me. Well, what I, I, I didn't mean in terms of I'm not booking great guests. What I mean is I'm not very organized. And so you're, you're another guest that has now, like, I've happened upon, like, jumped into my lap. No, like, not in the, in the, not, not in the obvious sense. But we were just having a chat on a boat, and I was like, hey, you want to be on my pod? Yeah, and as, as white people do, we were networking on a boat, and we hit it off, and now we're networking on a podcast. <laughs> which is fair enough, which is fair enough because it was the party of, uh, of podcasting people, so it would make sense that you would have a, a podcast connection. That's true. Everyone on that boat had had a pod. It was a it was a pod boat. Yeah, it was boat cast. It was, it was very much a podcast party. Now, because of my crappy Wi-Fi, we have a bit of a delay, but don't let that get you down. We'll just ignore it and if we interrupt each other, uh that's fine. So, I I really I've I've gotten to know you through uh through Hannah. You you opened up for Hannah at the at the show that we did. Uh you know, beyond that, Beyond that, I don't know that much. This is going to be one of these pods where I, I need to have this podcast to learn more about you. So, just just a bit like when you were when you were growing up, like how, what age were you when you knew? Oh, I've got a little bit different going on. Oh, well, sorry, different in- incorrect word. I think I started. I, I guess at that time in your life, where you thought, "Oh shit." No, I think I mean we are not the statistical, you know, norm. It is different. Um. I think I started fearing that I was gay in like seventh grade and then like full blown just absolute love for my first like crush in like eighth oh, really? grade. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I was secretly hooking up with her um, and another girl throughout high school. And I think the whole time I just was really hoping I would end up being bi and so that I could avoid the entire thing and I kept thinking like no I'll just meet I'll just meet a guy and I'll be bi and I'll just settle on the guy and it'll be fine and then that just never happened it just I'm very gay like it is not a spectrum for me at all like gay um so yeah that was that was tough it was tough that's like was that was that feeling based on like this is just going to be a major pain in the ass. Like, it's just easier to not be like this. Yes, honestly. Honestly, yes. Because I, I was just so afraid of the ramifications it would have on my life. Which is interesting. Like, I guess I I had the typical self-loathing as well. But I think the fact that I was like, well, as long as you're bi, you can just like kind of like settle into this. I was just very much trying to avoid it because... Of coming out. I just didn't want to have to deal. It is so annoying. And it is so emotionally intense. That you just wish. You just wish you could make it go away. Like. Like any other problem in your life. You would. You kind of like are like. Okay well what could I do. Oh I could fall in love with a guy. And there were like guys that I like tried to. Have feelings for. Like genuinely. Attempted to make myself like them and it just it you know obviously didn't how do you do that how do you make yourself attract to somebody you can't it's just like instantaneous it's like magic it's totally uncontrollable so those were all those were some awkward 
awkward encounters. But like, I've never date seriously dated a guy. Also, I can't make men like me. Like, if men like me, they're usually like that's always like a very weird dude. <laughs> uh, most men, most men know that this is not like something that they should get involved with. Um, but yeah, but like you're going, you grew up in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like on the island of Manhattan? Yeah, I grew up in Man- I grew up like in Yorkville, like oh, yeah. right below Harlem above Yeah, the, I know. My, that's my mom's, that was my mother's first uh, address before, but she moved out to Queens like when she was very young. But the, so how, oh. how accepting by the time you were in like late grammar school, early high school, how, how much of an atmosphere of openness was there? I think people knew gay people and were like fine with it, but there was still at a kid, at the kids in my class. Like there was, I'm working on a joke about this. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I this podcast is at my favorite when it's workshopping jokes. Okay, cool. So the one of the ways that you find out that you're gay, like really find out that you're gay is like in health class, there's that, talk you know around seventh grade they're doing sex ed anatomy biology whatever and they get to the point where they're in the curriculum they're just like oh yeah by the way there are gay people and it's like totally cool and normal and like one in 10 or 20 people are gay and that's like totally fine and then that's like the worst thing you could possibly say to a group of exactly 10 or 20 children because then everyone starts scanning the room looking for the person who will will is the you know the needle in the haystack or whatever and then all of a sudden everyone's looking at you and you're like well great i'm fucking gay i guess i'm gay and you all know that i'm gay and because like that's what happened that's exactly what happened to me like at at that point everyone just kind of looks at you and you're like well fuck like it's no, me. I'm it. Please, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we move on? I don't want to talk about this. But I mean, so in, I in, a, in a way, it's just this, in a way that's kind of good because it, if everybody goes, it's it's Ashley. Then you go, oh, I, I guess what I was feeling is correct because they know it too. Right, but it's not the confusion. It's the it's the reality the, of it, the- especially because no one wants to be that person. Cause every, cause as soon as you look at someone else, they'll be, I'm not fucking gay. It's never like, oh, you know, like being gay could be cool, but I don't think that I'm gay. But maybe it's always like, I'm not, fu- I'm not fucking gay. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but it's but not obviously, a positive. I, it's I, a negative. It's a negative thing. Yeah, at that time you feel it's a negative, right? But the other thing that you yeah. probably didn't yeah. factor into that, well, you probably did, but there was, you weren't the only one there. I bet you. Of course, of course, but you feel, you feel so alone. I think about, like, how awesome my life is as who I am now, and I'm so glad I'm not straight. There needs to be, like, a gay coach that comes into every school and is like, okay, like, you guys are making fun of gay people, but here's a list of reasons why it's actually better to be gay. And then they just, like, go through 
all you only hear about the struggle. You don't ever hear about like you don't ever hear about sharing a wardrobe. I get to share a wardrobe with the person that I date. Do you know how convenient that is that I can just like put on her clothes if I want to? But that's very you know? that's very and, like, uh, I don't it's very restricting yeah. in terms of like then you have to like meet somebody and be like, Oh, but she's she's too large. <laughs> I'm big right, into sharing. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm big into sharing clothes. This is not practical. But you have that option. You also like you being gay is cool because like you share like this very cool childhood trauma level connection with everyone that you ever date. When you're gay, you have a fundamental shared trauma. And, like, fundamental life experiences in common with each other that, like, straight people, no offense or anything, you just, like, don't have that. Mm. And, or, or you can't just automatically find it. You're usually politically aligned. You're usually, like, socially aligned. Like, that's a great, great perk to being gay that no one talks yes, about. Yes, but, but you would, you, that you I would, would assume that some like, of those perks eventually are going to disappear. That would be the hope, right? That you won't be bound by trauma. Right, that one day we have right one day that we have no trauma, and there are gay Republicans, and that's like a. Totally I mean, there are the there thing. are the log there uh, are the log for now, Republicans, but the, the, yeah, they're yeah. like a they're like yeah. a, a special group. But um, yeah, I mean, I see the problem is that I'm 45 now, so like they didn't talk about I, I, I mean, I I was aware of, of of gay guys, and I knew gay was a thing, and I made definitely made homophobic jokes and called people gay and dumb shit that you know young men do and they're fucking clueless but i definitely don't remember when we were having the talk sex education talk i don't remember the teachers openly being like and some of you might be gay i don't think so so i know that things have changed really? a lot since yeah no well i i don't remember but this was like 1987 88 i mean they were still saying that yeah, AIDS, it might they were still saying like, AIDS was like created to fucking punish gays. <laughs> Kill gay people. Yeah, you know. But but anyway, what I Wild. what I am saying is that in, in the interim, but but like by the time you were in, in seventh grade, they were just kind of being like, Hey, and some of you are gay and that's fine. I wonder, has it got I wonder yeah. where it's at now, because I don't know. I wonder have they gotten to the stage where they're like and you know, this is, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, questions around sexual health or whatever you say to kids at certain ages, I wonder at some stage, do they then say these are the different ways that people explore? Like, I wonder, will uh, all these ways that people express themselves sexually just get increasingly normalized to the point where nothing about it seems odd? Yeah, I hope so. I feel like kids are coming out earlier and earlier and schools are gen like the trend is upward that schools are doing a better job with like students that come out. But there are also schools where they do like a very, you are, you're always hearing on the news that some school banned a gay couple from going to. Oh, really? Every time that happens, I'm like you. Yeah. Like they still do. I'm like, have you guys not watched the new, like this happens every year, every year, some gay couple can't go to prom. And every year the school has to issue a huge apology on like the news and, and like, just stop, just let them fucking go to prom at the bare minimum, just to avoid the bad press conference. That has, surely that's in like real heavily Christian areas, right? For sure. For sure. This is all, I grew up in New York city. I'm not even sure that in rural Christian towns that they're talking about gay yeah. people at all in sex ed. 
So it that it's the disparity is enormous. So um, when you when you because I was talking to Emma Wilman recently. And uh, we were just talking about all aspects of, of comedy and, and identity and, you know, what's what's cool to say, what's not cool to say. But when you started doing comedy, were you did you make a decision that you were going to, like, very much go on your identity? Were you going to try to avoid it? Did you have any, any thoughts about it when you got on stage originally? My thought is, my general thought is, like, funny is mm. funny. I don't care if a comedian does 15 minutes on one topic. If they're making everybody laugh, what does it fucking matter what they're talking about? As long as it's like interesting. Um, That's my personal perspective. When I watch comedians, I like my only thoughts about my own identity are that I try people. I, I get a lot of shit about doing my gay shit up front. I've actually talked to Emma about this specifically. I do my gay shit up front because, and you know, in New York, sometimes you only get a 10 minute right. set, right? Like, so like the first five or six minutes are gay, let's say, and then I'll, you know, do another five minutes of something else. I like to get the gay shit out of the way because I've noticed that audiences somehow are just warmer after it. If I like reverse the order it's almost like I haven't come out to them. And so they're just, I don't think they're actively thinking about it, but I think there's just some sort of like discomfort, almost like I'm not, I'm not my full self to them yet. And so they need, they just need to hear it. They just, once they hear it, then all the other jokes work better, even though they have nothing to do with being gay. It just fleshes me out for them as a human but being. But like, that when you say that, it sounds to me like there's this assumption that they're looking at you going, when is this bitch going to tell us that she's gay? Because it's clear as day. But I don't think that they're thinking that, but I think subconsciously that is Really? That's happening. interesting. Because I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously there's certain stereotypes, but the, you know, I, 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 I knew you were gay when I met you, but I, I, I I can't, I, sure. I can't, I can't, yes. because I knew though, but like, I, I, I can't think that an audience is seeing you and like waiting for you to say you're gay. Like, I know you say it's subconscious, but do you think maybe that th- that's like in your mind, like you've gotten used to just getting it out of the way right. early? For sure. That is, that is totally a fair question. And I have tried it. I could try it more. I could really be totally dedicated to the task of like doing all of my other material first and doing a formal scientific experiment. But I've done it, I think, as a comedian enough times where I feel like, no, it's just better to get it out of the way. Leslie Jones, I think it was Leslie Jones, wrote like about addressing her height and her like aggression in the beginning of her set. Or maybe it was an interview with her. I can't remember. But I totally related to it. Because it's like, it's almost like if there's something weird about you. And I use that term mm-hmm. weird loosely. I feel like you, you kind of just have to. In comedy, you don't want people like thinking too much. You just want them in the moment and present. And that's what I think my opening with the gay stuff does. Even if it's only two jokes. 
I think yeah. it just really it's funny helps. Both you, both like just both get it you out of and the way. Emma, but I also think probably more women feel like they need to address something up front to get it out of the way. Which I, you know, I, th- I, I think there's some there's some gender stuff in terms of crowd expectations of people too, which is a, like a, I think a hurdle slash obstacle that women have to deal with. That's not all men, but some men uh, deal with. I like I, I'm sure a lot of gay com like male comics think the same thing they need to address it to get out of the way but i feel like that is a, that is an obstacle that's like not fair i mean obviously you know you're you're dealing in reality so you do what's best for you but isn't that kind of annoying i think it is annoying but i only think the annoying part of it is like how people react to it i can't prevent how crowds are going to like have a group thing mm. i can't like change a group think other than by being funny. But I wish comedians, particularly kind of newer, younger comedians wouldn't keep saying to me, have you thought about like not doing the gay stuff till later? Yeah. I fucking thought about not doing the gay stuff till later. Yes. I think about all of these things. I, I, I just wish they didn't assume I was stupid. <laughs> like, I, of course, I've thought about it. I am a carnival crew. I'm a gay carnival cruise comedian. Like, I have dealt with homophobia on stage, like, more than probably most gay comedians have. Like, yeah, I've, like, thought about accommodating them. But it turns out that's actually not the most helpful thing to do. And do you, do you ever do you ever get a sense? Sorry, of, I really I went off there. It was per, it was great. I mean, the 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 Zoom call that we're on is so crappy oh. that y- your audio was fine, but your you were you were in slow motion, which made it more dramatic. <laughs> oh, but no, no, that 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 that's great. I, I, just the last question I'll ask about that, and actually, I do want to talk to you about the carnival. Well, I, I actually have loads of more questions, but. Uh, do you ever feel like a like a when you tried to do it reverse that a that a crowd were like oh wait a minute she didn't let us know that's not cool? <laughs> like the, like you do no, you duped, but I you dupe them. I have a joke that I stay when I get on stage where I go hey you know how you doing or whatever and then I go usually the first words out of my mouth after that are. I'm gay. You can stop thinking about it. And it gets it gets a big pop. And that's why I say like no one's actively thinking about it, but everyone is thinking about it. And I recently was playing around with where to put that. And if I put it after just some other joke that I do, like some opening joke, it gets a much bigger pop if I do it two or three later in the set but those first jokes are then disadvantaged. It's like, which one do I want to suffer? Do I want those first couple jokes to really pop so I'll put them later? But it sort of proved to me that that I was right. Yeah. That like something is going on on a subconscious level. Um, Plus, you know, it's a great... I forget what your question was. Oh, do they feel duped? Oh, that, that was just... I'm, I'm kind of half joking around. No, I, I was I was half joking around, but half also wondering like where this thing comes from. Where if you say it later, that it's like that it's not the same. But actually, ignore ignore that yeah. question because I was half joking around. But he, he, but but here's the thing about your opener. The thing is that it's also just from pure comedy writing slash uh, rhythm. It's just a very good opener because it's very quick. 
it's very you know it's concise it's, it's funny fast. and it just establishes you immediately but also connects you with them so why wouldn't you open with that because that that's really what you want like like mateo comes out and goes hi right. I, i'm obviously gay and then boom like he has them you know what i mean and it's not just that he has them yeah. because he's established that he's gay he's it's also super fucking funny because in five words they're fucking dying laughing you know, because the combination of his flamboyance, yes. his yes. image, and, you know, the way that he presents that sentence, it's like, boom, he's got them. So why wouldn't you use the fucking five to six word line? Right, right. Yeah. And I think I think sometimes he's so fucking funny and you just know exactly who he is from that interaction. And hopefully that's what I'm also doing with mine, um, because I'm just like. I guess part of it is like I am gay and I I truly do not care what you think about it. Like that's sort of what I'm saying to them. Um, and I think the only people who really care about it, I think, are people who feel almost at a like comedians. They're they're like open mic level comedians who feel like at a disadvantage that they don't have a thing to talk about right up front. They're not you know, a certain color. They're not a certain sexuality. They're not a certain gender. They don't have an accent. They don't have this. They don't have that. And on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, I, I understand. I understand why that's frustrating. But you also don't have any of the other bullshit that we have to deal with that goes along with it. So like, let's like, it's like a fair trade. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, you definitely should, shouldn't pay attention to that. But I, I'm more interested in the fact that there are certain comedians that feel like they need to address something up front, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so you yeah. did these carnival cruises, which we were chatting about on the boat, which I, 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 I found fascinating. Uh, first of all, I think I think the whole cruise comedy world is fascinating on its own, and then you add in it's it's weird. Yeah, then you add in your your identity being an issue sometimes. I guess uh, actually, let's explain why I would say that your identity is an issue. So, actually, why, by explaining about cruise comedy and clean and dirty shows, you can also then tell the audience. Uh, about what they said to you. Yeah, so I... Oh, by the way, actually, before uh, we say anything, are are you allowed to speak about this in terms of that brand? Technically, no, but I don't um, care. And I do... If you want to say budget, you can say budget. They're never going to find it. And even if they do, like, I'm in an incredibly powerful position as their only (laughs) gay comedian coming out and saying these things like i don't care also like you need to know that it's carnival like it's not norwegian it's not royal caribbean it is carnival and that is a very specific person and a lot of those people have never met a gay person like in their life they are either apolitical or like very conservative um, and they just like, they're not from my, I've never met people like this in my entire life. You know, I grew up in New York city and oh man, it's funny though, because I do love performing for, for a lot of them. I, I really do enjoy it. So um, you got, you got hired, yeah, but, so you got, PD you got hired to the- do, you, you got hired. Sorry. You said yes to doing cruise gigs cause it, the, the money's, the, the money's decent because and it was regular work, right? The money is decent. It's good regular work. And when they got hired, like, I was nobody. I'm nobody now, but, like, I was truly nobody. Like, no one knew who I was, and I was just trying to make a living as a comedian and, like, doing colleges and stuff like that. So, of course, I was, like, 
yeah. And like, so what if it sucks? Like, it'll be a learning experience and whatever. <laughs> Man, that no, no lie there. It was, it's been a real learning experience. But I've come to really like it on the PG shows. So there's R rated shows and there's PG shows. On the PG shows, not only do you have to be totally, totally squeaky clean, you, I cannot say that I'm gay. So I can't even like say, oh, my girlfriend, this, that, or the other thing. Like I have to exist as like an asexual blob, like just like, you know, this like sexless human. Other comedians get to joke about their husbands or their wives and things like that. I don't get that. It's just like straight up a half hour of observational comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And they were comfortable. They were comfortable Um, saying that to you, right? They was just like, listen, you know, on the PG show, don't talk about your sexuality. Isn't that wild? Like, that's the part I should really be talking about, that I have not written an op-ed in the New York Times about someone saying to me. But I know why they said it, because as soon as... Before, I was like, this is homophobic. And then I got on the boat, and I was like, oh, but the people are more homophobic. Like, Carnival, that what Carnival said is not great, but they're trying to protect me from... They want my voice there on the R-rated show. They want me there. They're, like, very proud that I'm there. And that I, like, fully appreciate and I think is great. But they're basically, they protect me on the R-rated show. If someone leaves and it was like, that lady was gay. They're like, yeah, and it was the R-rated show. And, like, deal with it. you signed, you went in, yeah, deal with it. So I understand why the PG show has to exist for their clients. And I really hope one day, like I've slipped up and like said the wrong gender on the PG show. I try to use they, them pronouns whenever I'm doing like relationship material on the PG show, which is very difficult to sort of refer to people who have a certain gender in your life and change their gender for a joke and then go back and say it the other way when you're off the boat. It's like really a strange experience. But one time I messed up and I remember thinking, just just keep going and see if anything happens. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. I mean, I, I would think more often than like, not, nothing would yeah. happen. But I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not defending Carnival, but I assume that it just comes from just not wanting the hassle, you know? They are going to have parents. The whole thing is that there are kids at the show and there are parents who are going to have to explain concepts to their children based on what they hear at the show. And so what I've ended up doing is I just use innuendo. Like I refer to Ellen in my set, my PG set, like three times just to like get the message across. (laughs) You you and Ellen have something in common. Exactly. I I won't like do the whole bit, but I'm like, yeah, that like that. Yeah. And then if they get it, they get it. And if they don't, they don't. And I find that that helps my it's so weird. Like that helps everyone loosen up, too, because it almost feels like it's weird because people will tell you not to make a big deal about being gay and tell you to stop talking about it. But then when you don't talk about it, like people just kind of look at you like they don't know something about you and they're like waiting but to like, find who out. Says don't talk, who it's says weird don't line. Talk about it? Oh, oh, like my aunt Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it fascinating how anybody would advise 
a gay comic to not talk about it because no matter how much some fucking idiot says, oh, why do you have to talk about being gay? The other comic is not talking about And it's like, well, first of all, we really are in the minority. Why would I not fucking take the biggest part of my life and talk about it when a much smaller amount of comedians are talking about it? Most comedians actually end up talking about the same shit. And even though a lot of gay comics talk about being gay, there's still so fucking few of us. Why the fuck would we not talk about it? Totally. And also, like, every time, just, like, for the listener, if, if it's not clear, like, every time a straight comedian talk, complains about his wife, that is a straight exactly. joke. That's a straight joke. Like, and, and also, when you're gay, there are certain topics that feel gayer because I'm gay. Like, if I talk about feminism, that has, like, a... There's no gay in it, but, like, it feels gayer. There's all kinds of stuff, but... The first time I was on TV, I was so proud. I did live at Gotham. This is like five years this ago. Shows, this shows a real career progression. I, live at Gotham, you know? It's, <laughs> that, was, that was a big moment. <laughs> it, five years ago, this was the biggest deal. It's actually, this was it's actually such a great a show. I, I did that, and I got like a, like a lot of it. I ended up actually like dating this, like a girl like through fandom of when she saw me on fucking Live at Gotham. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. So I'm 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 joking That's around, cool. but, but Axis Axis TV is you know that you'll look back at the time when you were excited about being on Mark Cuban's channel. <laughs> I know, I know, and now I'm like, it's so funny because like Amy Schumer wrote about doing it in her book, and like the way that she wrote about it. That's how oh, I right, felt, cool. but now I know it did absolutely nothing for like my career, but. I mean, I guess it made me look a little more legitimate at the time, but I emailed my whole family and I was like, hey, everyone, like I'm going to be on TV and this is how you can watch and blah, blah, blah. And my cousin um, just wrote me back and was like, hey, like enjoyed it. But like, here are my notes. And one one of the notes was basically, do you have to do the gay angle so much? And it was just so... Sad. I, I was just like so sad. Like I was trying to share this like moment with them, and um, it it and his daughter is gay now, just as a point of karma for this whole uh <laughs> thing. But uh, yeah, and his sister. These are my two gay cousins. But I I it was it was really it sucked. It really sucked. Yeah, I mean people people make dumb comments all the time on what you should and shouldn't talk about, but. When it comes to your identity, yeah. that, that that hurts a little deeper. Like people will say to me, "Do you have to do the dirty stuff? Do you have to say fuck so much?" But like if somebody said to me, "Do you have to do the yeah. white Irish American guy stuff so much?" I'd be like, "Well, well, actually, the Irish always but do it's the, the same Irish thing. The Irish always do that. They always say to me, like, is he still doing the American living in Ireland thing?' It's like, you mean is he still himself? <laughs> like, is he still the American that lives in Ireland? I, I guess he is. You know, and that's the thing. It's like, he's still doing the gay stuff. It's like, well, I'm still gay. <laughs> like, I'm still talking about yeah. myself. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But I think what you're getting at with like the cursing and the dirtiness, it's like, okay, so you don't like it, but it's not an affront on you. Like you don't have to like the cursing. You don't have to like the dirty stuff. You can like a different comedian, but it's because it's in direct conflict with their like sense of morality yes, of that, course. It, that it gets them. Yeah, and, and, you and you're it has nothing to do with how funny it is. Yeah. So I mean I, I deal with that sometimes in terms of like people shame around sex and I'm very open about sex and that some people can't handle that and they try to make me feel bad about it. But at the same time, I feel like it cuts a little it cuts a, a little deeper. When not only in, in certain situations, people are, are, are throwing onto you. Not only do they not want you talking about sex, but they would prefer if you weren't what you are. That, that, that's a that, that. Yeah, the, the I was just going to say that. No, I, I felt like you got my point already, so I didn't need to finish it. Yeah, I mean, the not the gay, the gay thing on on Carnival is tough because it implies that being gay just is mm, a dirty that's what joke. i mean like i have i have plenty of gay material that's like not at all dirty like the squeakiest it's actually very clean material um but so it's weird to be told that that is somehow not okay for a child mm. to hear it's that that does cut a certain yeah, way. because like if a 12 year old is at the show and you're talking about any sexual stuff, any sexual preference, uh, man, woman, man, man, woman, woman, whatever, and it's quite graphic, that's just unsuitable for them because they're not there yet. But to tell a 12 year old right. some people like the same sex and some people don't, that's that's not that that is PG, actually. It's very PG. Right. Yeah. And age yeah, yeah. like for yeah. those kids uh, you know what i mean because they're already they're already thinking about it they're already no one ever thinks about that's the other thing no one ever thinks about the closeted gay kid that needs very that good point very good to point. say and, something no one ever thinks yeah about and that you see a lot of people talk about uh you know like you know celebrities when when they come out they tell the story coming out and often They'll say, I was very moved when this person came out, that person came out, when I heard a joke about, when I heard a song. You know, they're moved by these, you know. So, of course, you, you could change somebody's life if they're sitting on the Carnival Cruise, uh, you know. Absolutely. And they want to be at, they be at Absolutely. the drag show I, rather than the... <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've gotten messages on TikTok from kids that are like, you were my cruise comedian. And then they like love my TikToks, which are not cruise like clean at all, you know. So it's it's interesting. It's it's been an interesting experience. And and people shit on. I just want to say like people shit on 
cruise comedians, but there are some of us. I don't change my material when I get on the boat. Like I'm going to make, I'm not dumbing this shit down. There are lots of cruise comedians that are not good, but then there are also, there are also the guys that are trying to, you know, trying to bring something to the table at these things. Yeah. So I, I, I'm fascinated by that, that, that world of cruise comedy because there is a, cause I, you know, I've done coincidentally enough, the comedy seller in Vegas and then, uh, Aruba Ray runs a show in Aruba. Uh, they both yes. they have that Middle America kind of audience that's just very different to the to the New York audience. Which some people who've done both cruise shows and these shows have said kind of like a cruise crowd. In that you kind of have to appeal to everybody, yeah. really. Which is you know that's it's not an insult to the crowd, but it is what it is. Like these people are going to comedy because they're on the cruise. They're not really yeah. going to comedy because they love comedy. You know, some of them, you know, like right, some of them are right. just like, hey, fuck it, let's comedy on yeah. Tuesday. You know, they sign up for it and they go. So, I, I, I mean, it, it, it is a fascinating world. I have to think as a comedy exercise, it must be very good for your development that you can go out there and find a way to appeal to these people with the same jokes. Yes, that was a that was the biggest learning curve because I was not going to write new material because also I am not capable of writing that material. When I watch these guys... Dude, there's this dude that does like, I'm not going to say his name, but during the clean show, he does like, you like big dogs or you like little dogs? And then he does big dog versus little dog jokes. And I, you know, want to walk off the deck when I hear it because he's so good at it. He's so good at writing the big dogs versus little dogs. And I cannot wrap my brain around. I'm trying to write about the Confederate statues that are up right now. I could never do this on a cruise. The Confederate statues jokes on a cruise. Like, that's crazy. You could never do that. But so when I got there, I was like, I have to find a way to be myself. I just have to. And what it ended up doing was just making me just dramatically more confident in my material because... At first, I got up there and I was scared. I was genuinely frightened that I like couldn't connect with these people. And then once, once I did the first cruise where I got... The first cruise was one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> once I got through that, I called my mother crying. I was like, Mom, I... I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this job like effectively. I'm, I, and when you call your mom crying on the boat, that's the most expensive call that you could possibly make. You're in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. It's not a cheap call <laughs> to call your mother crying at this point. And my mom, you know, my mom is, my mom is so not the mom who's like, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. My mom was like, how do you get home? Can you leave from Mexico? Book a flight. I'll pay for it. Just get here. She like really didn't want me to have to go through this. And then I kind of got over it. And at the second cruise, I was so upset. I had just given up. I thought I'm never going to do this again. So I might as well just like do what I want to do. And it was that that made it better. I just didn't care what they thought. Like, because I'll say I'm gay at the top of a set. And I tried all the different ways, you know, but people will stand up and just walk out as soon as they hear that. And to be confused, Confronted with that as a comedian, you're like, I didn't even bomb yet. You didn't even give me a chance to bomb. Like, I that's the setup. That's not even a punchline. Like, please just wait for the rest of the joke. But when you when you like have that level of of hatred from someone, it's freeing 
because you're like, oh, like this is going to be horrible. So I might as well just do exactly what I want to do. And that's what ended up making me better. I was, I just had total disregard for everybody and this like renewed sense of self that I didn't care what people thought of me. And then the jokes all started working. Like no changes to the jokes, just a complete change in attitude. And then, it, yeah, and then I just kept going. And now I have much more confidence as yeah, a performer. I mean, that, it was it was a really incredible experience. experience. But I also think it's it's just tough, regardless of all the horrible shit that you had to deal with in terms of people walking out. I think it just takes time to adjust to doing a show like a cruise show. I think it just takes time to figure it out. You yeah, know? I mean, it took it took. Yeah, they're also slower. They're yeah, slower. but it took it took comedians time to figure out how to work social distance you know it does it does take time to adjust so it's no surprise if you're yeah, used you're to right. working you used to working in new york suddenly you're on a carnival cruise you know like that that's a tough adjustment but it is also tough to watch people walk out but the funny thing about people walking out which we've all had but i've never had it where somebody was just like oh he's him so i'm walking out i mean they, they've not liked something yeah. i said but they, they never sort of walked out on my identity but even even as horrible as that is it's so funny because one or two people will walk out and you'll think like, oh my God, people are walking out. And it's literally one, like 0. 0.001 of the audience. And it's irrelevant. And they don't have to pay yeah. extra, right? They're just there. But it just fucks with your head the whole time. It really, it, it's a horrible feeling. And usually it has nothing to do with yeah, you. Yeah, they might, they might have actually like, just sat down times- and been like, fuck, I have diarrhea. <laughs> Right, exactly. There's the chance that this is literally not even comedy related. And then if it is comedy related, it's it's usually not your fault. Like maybe they heard a joke about something that, yeah. that upsets them for some reason. That has nothing to do with you. That's a them problem. And then, you know, you go down the list of things. And then finally, at the very bottom, there's, you know, homophobia on the cruise out of Texas <laughs> <laughs> on Thanksgiving. You know, like, okay, all right. But... That's usually the last. That's usually the last. Do you ever do jokes about cruise comedy in the city? Yeah, I think I told you one on the boat. I just say they don't allow me to be gay, so I wrote some straight jokes if you guys want to hear one. And everyone goes, yeah. And I go, okay, I'm straight now. Okay. Uh, the other day I was eating my boyfriend's pussy and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. The, but that, I was thinking, I, I yeah, was thinking it, would be, it would be fun, you know. I, I don't know if you're going to do any more cruises, but it would be fun just as a stupid exercise at the PG show to just make up a whole new identity for yourself and see if you could write like married people material like my fucking husband. <laughs> I've thought about it. I've truly thought about having an alter ego. Hey, I'm Diane. I love, uh, you know, jerking off my husband. But you can't do that because it's the, the P- it's the PG show. Right, so you I don't can't, have that. This is the PG show. Um, <laughs> no, but I just think right. it'd be funny, you know. But it would be, I don't know, could be fun. Well, only because I was actually thinking, I was actually thinking that there must be tons of hack jokes that lesbian comedians do. Because I was thinking about it when you were saying about the convenience of being a lesbian, you know, trying on clothes and different things, but also the convenience of not living with a man. I mean, the first thing I thought of is like a lot less pee on the bathroom floor. But I, I got to imagine that there's a ton of probably we- well-worn jokes about the inconvenience of, of men and the convenience of being with a woman. I have to think that that's a joke that's been written. 
I feel like straight women have that under oh, control. Oh, right. Yeah, though. I guess. I feel like straight women are really dominating the Complaining the, the, about living with a man joke. Yeah. Of men. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to step you know on what? their turf. That's their trauma <laughs> that, that they need to go through, and I'm very respectful of their process. <laughs> Although that is a good title for a show, The Inconvenience of Men. Yeah, that is. it does sound like a Handmaid's Tale reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Inconvenience um, of Men. Well, you know, just because like, when you do Edinburgh, you have to come up with like a good title of your show. Um, mm, mm. Male Inconvenience. Anyway, ignore me. Well, that, 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 that was great. No, you're good. That, that, that was great. I, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm not sure if it's, if it's cool or not because I've had, I've had three, four, I, I've had a lot, a lot of gay comics on recently. And, I, you know, it, it, I, I, it, I'm ashamed at how little I really know about the, about the struggles, you know. And I feel like, you know, even though I've, I'm friends with a lot, of, a lot of gay comics, I think when you're on a podcast, you then naturally just get a little a little deeper but then i'm also paranoid i'm also yeah. paranoid of of grilling people about the inconvenience of being gay coincidentally enough i'm i, I i'm wondering is no is, I is that okay of course i look i i can't speak for everybody but like i i have also really put myself out there as a gay person because you know, my podcast is called We're Having Gay Sex. And I know people look at me and think because of this, despite all the other material that I have and what I've been doing for years in stand up, choosing this path of talking about these issues has really helped my career because there are so many people out there who have the questions that you have and need um, need more gay representation. Um, so I am like totally 100%. I will talk about my gay struggles all day long. Oh, right. Yeah. As long as people don't also assume that there's nothing else that I talk about. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the only, that's the only thing that I, that I ask when people listen to my stuff that I feel like it is a serve. Yeah. I finally have come around and accepted that. This is a service that I am providing, and I'm happy to provide it. You know, I'm happy and to be that what, person. What, what was your motivation, or what was the goal of we're having gay sex when you started it? Because obviously, there's, there's there's other gay podcasts and different things. What 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 were you hoping to achieve with the pod? In, entirely personal. Entirely, dude. I have like done everything. I have like done cruises in colleges. I pitched you know, scripted, unscripted. I made a web series. I taped all these things. My career was just not doing fucking anything. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll do a podcast if I have a good idea. But I don't want to do one unless I have a good idea. And then I was, I'd gone through this breakup and I was kind of being a whore and very excited to do that because I had never done that before. I, I've been in like back-to-back serial monogamy relationships so finally, I was like, I'm, I'm like going to hoe around. And then I thought to myself, there are so many podcasts about women hoeing around, like great sex positive feminist podcasts. And then I thought there is not a single one like that for gay people. There's no gay people hoeing around. And gay sex is such a taboo topic. Like no mm. one wants to talk about it. And so that's when I was like, 
oh, yeah, I'll just like do this from my perspective. And I just want to get an agent. That was like, that (laughs) that was all I wanted. I did not expect the, you know, I sound arrogant right now, but I did not, I, you know, it, I had no idea what a force it would would be for so many people. It, it has they write in and they're like, "Oh, it came out because your podcast." And I'm like, "Why would you do that? That should be a personal decision that I have nothing to do with." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I talk about putting my finger in my girlfriend's butt, and that makes them want to come out. Sure, fine, that's great. But uh, yeah, so it's like it's it's been. It's been wild. It's crazy. And I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for the whole thing. I'm so yeah, glad that, that it's happened. That's great. I've brought that up on this pod, actually, with people about I'm waiting and hoping for there to be more overtly gay sexual material because I feel like it, 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 that's still taboo. And, and the comedians yeah. that, that could do that material – don't seem to be super comfortable doing it, and the audiences aren't comfortable hearing it, but that only changes by by it being done. Yeah. Well, I have some scissoring stuff for you, Des. I've got a lot of scissoring material. We can cover it today. We can cover it anytime Are we you want. bringing that up because you're trying to test me on my ignorance? Because my understanding is that scissoring... No, I- My understanding is that scissoring is overrated in terms of it's it's heavily used in porn, but not heavily used in a lesbian relationship. Would you like to? Do we have a moment? I can get into scissors. Well, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, according to Hannah, she came back from your podcast and she said you guys don't scissor that much. Which, okay. So I don't think that scissoring is the primary form of sex for most lesbians and the way that it's portrayed in heterosexual porn, meaning like lesbian porn yes. made for heterosexual people is incorrect. You are absolutely right on that end. But what I think is missing from the discourse on scissoring is that tribbing or basically the friction play around the clitoris is a huge part of lesbian sex, lesbian foreplay, and straight sex. So I have a bit about how every straight woman scissors. Like if she can only come on top, She's she's actually scissoring you and you don't even know that that is happening. So that's like what the bit is about that. And I and we talk about things like this on the podcast all the time. Like uh, scissoring has been. So poorly portrayed in porn that now lesbians have like walked right, back. Interesting. From They're like, we don't want right, to. So it's to do almost like. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, which is unfortunate. I guess the reason why scissoring is so popular in lesbian porn made for heterosexual men is that it's 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 visually very stimulating for men. I think. I guess which is it's yes, it's more visual, which you yes. need in porn. It's you like, know, it's like it's if, like if reverse it cowgirl, just- like. Reverse cowgirl is fun every now and then, but it's it's not the ideal position. But it's great for fucking porn when you want to see everything. Yes, that's exactly you nailed it. <laughs> you got it because fingering is not like a visually appealing thing in porn. You don't. It's not dramatic. No, even the way, the, way the only way that fingering not, gives you any visual not not visual stimulation, but to actually achieve anything where you see a vagina and a finger. 
is a kind of a not super sexy way to get fingered. You know, it's it's really like like totally like, like more of a disconnect totally. than you could possibly want. Right. And it sucks because fingering universally beloved by women. Women want to be fingered. I've I've had fingering material, bring back fingering. You know, I used to have a joke about what happened to fingering. You know, like talk a lot about fucking fingering when you're younger and then suddenly fingering disappears to the point where when you're 35 and somebody says, I fingered her, it's like the most disgusting thing you could ever say. And it's like, why is that disgusting? It was was all important when we were 16. What happened to fingering? (laughs) Right. You're so right. And people trivialize it. Like, oh, what are you, like a teenager? No, fingering. Also, there's a debate on my podcast, just to be clear for your listener. I believe fingering to be can be both internal and external stimulation. I just want to make that clear to everybody in case you so, think yeah, it's yeah, only it's, internal. It's, it's, That's it's not what I'm talking all hand about. play around uh, all the uh, erogenous yeah. zones. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And it, it is yeah, a big, a big deal. I'm a fingering fan. We should bring it big. back. Everyone should be fingering. Big, big, yeah. big fingering fan. That's great. I can't remember. I can't re- come, you got to come to the I can't remember my routine about fingering, but I, 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 it's actually on one of my specials. I had a whole, a whole thing about, about fingering that like, oh, you know what it was? My joke I, was- I'll go check it I, out. I, I had, the joke was something along the lines of like, what happened to fingering? Like fingering used to be like a place you got to, like a stage in your relationship. Like, did you finger her yet? Like, have you got to the fingering stage? And then you get to yeah, your twenties yeah, yeah, and like yeah, no yeah. one talks about fingering, like because fingering is no longer a destination; it's just a stop on the way to where you need to get to. But which is on, which is shows a fingering is exactly. The destination. That's the point. Fingering, yeah, for fingering sure. is the terminus. Uh, but yeah, no. Anyway, that yeah. that is a topic. I'd love to go on your podcast only because I, you know, I've had other people on the podcast and I've actually asked them what. I, in fact, I, I I had a sex I. Katie Boyle still does the shift, but I, I, Katie and I used to do the shift, and it was a sex podcast, and we had a few gay people on, but it was it was actually quite hard to get people to be as as like descriptive as other people were being on the pod in terms of straight sex. Oh, we are we are disgusting. We fully but don't everything. But you need yeah, which it. is We've great. It. But but the problem is that. I feel like that's not universal. In fact, I, I'm not going to mention a name, but I couldn't get no. one comic who's a good friend of mine. I couldn't get him to open up about, you know, specifics. In fact, he asked Vassal. me he asked me to take a bit out. We were joking around about he was actually giving he was giving blowjob yes. advice and he asked me to take it out. Because we've gotten I, look, I don't want to speak to what his no, his no, I, I'm not, I, I'm I not judging really know, him. But. I'm not judging him. I'm only saying that it it lends itself. To this thing that you were talking about, which is there's still this taboo around it, which is very unfortunate. It's so taboo. And along with like transitioning as well, we have a lot of trans people on the podcast. We've had Jay McBride. We just had this um, incredible woman, Jacqueline Moore. We've had um, uh, Kai West, all these people. And one of the things I love about it, and I'm a cis person, you know what I mean? This is not really my territory, But trans people, you know, like we there's so much speculation around their genitals as, you know, cis people were really invasive. You know, you'll hear like hack cis comedians be like, well, you know, have you had the surgery? Is it is it what's down there? And so like obviously trans people don't want to talk about this shit because they've been made fun of. And I think it's a similar thing for gay people. I think that, you know, we just like we're tired of people like 
you know, men will constantly, the question we always get is, how do lesbians have sex? How do lesbians have sex? How do lesbians have sex? And you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, obviously, think of how you pleasure a woman. That's like how we have sex. Like, why? It's just so strange. You should just say the same way you have sex. Um, We stick our fingers in each other's buttholes. And and they go, I don't do that. It's like, well, then you're not doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. If it's so hard for you to imagine, your sex life can probably be a lot better. But it's just mentioned in such a taboo, secret, oh my gosh, what is it type of way. I do think it's that's another reason the pod works is because it's like liberating. Like everyone is totally open. We try. Yeah, I actually want to have I want to have Jay McBride on this podcast. When I talk about having testicular cancer and you know having a testicle removed, if she happens to be on after me, she she jokes by saying, uh, "Des, what a fucking lightweight. He only went halfway." <laughs> Something to that effect. I can't remember her exact yeah, line, yeah. but I thought it was very funny. And I, 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 I don't really know her that well. And I liked the fact that she was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this risk. Because she didn't, you know, like she just did it. And then she came up to me afterwards. She was like, is that okay? I was like, I don't give a fuck. It's totally fine. <laughs> She's great. I, I love how on the line she goes with everything. Yeah. Because you expect like, you know, and I, I hope I'm the same way. Like, I want to talk about all the edgy material. I want to go up to the line and, you know, I, I, I like it when people are like, is this, is this gay girl like a Republican? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like, I like being, obviously I'm not, I'm like, not at all, but I like making people feel like, what is she about to say? And then it's usually, oh, that's fine. great. I can't <laughs> wait to listen to a, a couple of apps. Well, anyway, uh, all our listeners should listen to... We're having gay sex, right? Yes. I was, uh, came, came Thanks out. for letting me talk about it so much. I didn't mean to do so much. No, that's great. That's great. That's great. I kind of forgot that... Okay. I forgot that actually your podcast touches on a topic that I've tried to talk about before and actually you, 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 you've covered it. Okay, last question then. And I, I think that this will be a judgment on your behalf. Do you think that... Uh, women are more comfortable talking about same-sex stories than than gay men are talking about same-sex stories. Gay men or straight men? You you like to, like a experiment? No, no. I mean like uh, like gay. Let's just leave it in the comedy space. Do, do, do you feel like there's more okay. taboo for gay men to talk about their sexual experiences? Like ex- explicit, I'm talking about explicit, detailed, like sex yeah. podcast type conversations. You you, you can also yeah, not know. That's I totally think, fine. I do think that. I I do think you're right. I don't have like data to support this answer, but I do think that like butt stuff makes straight men super uncomfortable and. So they're constantly having to deal with that reaction Mm. of, ew. Because, like, I have one joke about gay, like, gay men that refers to, it's very tame. I say bum. You put his wee-wee in his bum. Like, it's, like, it's, it's so tame and... But I once had a young man at a comedy show immediately go, oh, like out loud about it. And I do think that there yeah. is a stigma like when it comes to butt stuff with men. In yeah. And then you often so get, you, I, you I often think that's get probably these, something you often battle. get these like dumb conversations like, yo, if a man 
wants to be pegged. That's gay. That's just gay. And like, I'm always like, well, first of all, if it, if it is just gay, who cares? And secondly, like, why does like what? Why does it have to be labeled as a sexual preference? What if you know, like, 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 why does that even matter? Like, I mean, obviously, you're getting right to the core of homophobia, but like, what is it? What is it about gay yeah. that's a problem for you? Right. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is like your prostate is not gay. (laughs) Your prostate is a prostate. And also I like the argument like something that I think about when people say that it's like, okay, okay. So like, okay, something goes in your butt. You're gay now. What about like just receiving oral sex? Like men have mouths. Is that gay? Because your girlfriend also has a mouth, but a boy has a mouth too. So like, is that gay? Like it's just, that like, is just very, weird. Yeah, that, that, that's very interesting. Plus you want to put it in your girlfriend's like, butt. You like butts. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're into butts. So like, are you, are you gay or is just bottoming? And then you get into the crossover of, of homosexuality and sexism where it's like, okay, so you're saying that the feminine, the feminine receiving penetration is gay. So like, so there's something wrong with being a woman. Yeah, like, and all, is that what yeah. you're like, where, and also where are we gay, going? Some with gay this? men don't like anything in their butt. They like to put it in somebody else's butt. So are you right. gay because you're a fucking top? Right, right, exactly. Fasc- yeah. Fascinating. I love there's your pop. All kinds of nuances. I want to, I, 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 I just want to live in the We Are Having Gay Sex podcast. It's, so, it's so easy to talk about things. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to I want to use you to talk about the first gay uh, NFL player to come out. Oh my god, I'm really excited about it. I don't know anything about football, anything, but I do like anybody that like crosses people's wires, like just a hyper hyper masculine sort of private guy coming out. I just can't wait to. I was scrolling. I was so disappointed because everyone was so fucking nice. I was scrolling through the comments, like looking for the homophobia, and I barely found any homophobia. I was like, this is so annoying. I want people to be upset. Like, I want someone to come at him, you know, but I didn't get any of it. Well, this is the problem. You, 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 you fight for equality, then you get it. It's pretty fucking boring. Yeah, it's, it's, it's boring when you're not special. Anymore. Yeah, it's very, it's, <laughs> it's very boring. Sometimes audiences are too accepting. Like I'll get up there and I'll do like some gay, gay stereotype about myself and people go, oh no, you know, that's not true. Like you're a great gay person. It's like, I just want a little animosity because comedy is like foundationally built on hatred. You know what I mean? And I think, I think very hard to be like a conflict, sweet, sincere conflict is a better word than hatred. Yeah. 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 Conflict. You're no, you're totally right. Conflict and tension and like, uh, you know, I don't believe all these stereotypes and stuff like that, but you can use them as tools to like build jokes and kind of find an interesting perspective. And when people, I don't know, a world of total tolerance, I don't know what we're just jokes about. Like, we're, it'll be like going back in time to when people only did jokes about like airline food. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like we've moved into like identity jokes, and then we'll lose. Yeah, it but I mean, it really is good. It, it is good news in that it's first of all, it's not that surprise. The only thing that's surprising is he's the first active NFL player to come out uh, when it would seem, judging by the reaction which you've just pointed out, 
that it was long overdue in that nobody really cares. Like, I don't mean nobody really cares in a negative way, but it's just like, it's not a big deal. Like, why haven't more people come out sooner in that the the atmosphere, I'm not, I don't think it's perfect. I, I don't think we live in the most tolerant society or homophobia has been eradicated, but it's certainly warm enough that it's surprising that this is the first guy. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like the fans definitely, for the most part, are not going to care um, in in the best way. I think it's different when you're in the locker room. That's where I think he might have, that might like delay someone's coming out. Yeah. Because that's where, that's like the one place that being gay still kind of matters is like an environment where a bunch of people are naked. And I'm not saying, like, it sh- it shouldn't, it's not actually, like, he's not, like, looking at other guys. Like, that's so not the case. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he's getting a little side, side sl- you know, a little <laughs> peripheral, polite, yeah, glance of one of these these guys. But, like, obviously, he's, like, a professional and, like, very professional. But there are men that would, that would make some men on. Yeah, and I think, I think to add to that, which I, I think maybe might be more, is that you're surrounded by all this machismo and i'd say that any sort of direct homophobia has probably faded over the years but i'd say probably there wasn't the the most welcoming atmosphere for for coming out in the locker room like probably uh, comments and things that are said or atmosphere that probably makes you think it's best if i just keep this on the down low right there's no reason for anyone to know i don't want to draw any attention to myself and god what a just the absolute straightest coming out. He might as well have been like flipping a burger on a grill when he came out. It was just like so, so straight. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I you know, just I actually, like, would you believe, I didn't guy. even watch, I didn't even watch the video. I heard the video on the radio though. And it was very much like, hey, by the way, guys, just want to let you know I'm gay. You know, I just thought everyone should know. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that yeah, momentous. Yes. The reaction, That's the, exactly. the reaction. He was like, anyway. The reaction was momentous. Yeah, yeah. He's like, can you? Can I have the wings now? Have anyone got a beer? I'm, by the way, I'm gay, but I wanted to go. Anyone got a beer? <laughs> uh, that was that joke. Was it years ago? In like, what movie was that? L.A. Story. Or something. I'm, I'm pregnant. Can you please pass the turnips or something like that? But uh, yeah, but I, 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 I mean, I'm not writing jokes for you, but I got to think that <laughs> there, there has to be a joke. If, if I was a lesbian comic, but I'm got, I've got. If one. I was a lesbian comic, <laughs> which I'm not. Uh, I got to think that there would be a joke like uh, somebody in the WNBA came out as straight or something. I got to think that there's some like there's some alternative yeah, joke to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, Hannah was just on my podcast and we were joking on the podcast how whenever it was so fucking funny. She was like, whenever I beat any any gay athlete, any lesbian athlete, I was always like, fuck, yeah, fuck, yeah, I out. I outran the lesbian. I'm like the straightest straight who ever straighted. I fucking took her down. Uh, there's definitely something. I don't know why lesbians are so good at sports. But, I mean, I have theories. But, you know, we're really, we really dominate the the athletic world, you know? Yeah, well, I, I, I assume that there's numerous, uh, numerous reasons for that. But I got to think that one of them is that there's, there has been – a more open atmosphere to coming out in female sports. They, they, they had pioneers. Yeah. They had pioneers a lot earlier than men did. Yes, for sure. And I also think like athleticism is like a traditionally masculine trait. Like you associate, you know, like I think women are, 
straight women are into like taller, more muscly guys than like guys are into like taller, muscly girls, yes. you know? And so I think when you're young and you're like internalizing society, if you're gay and 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 men don't really matter to you as they don't to me, um you're just a lot more free to explore the masculine parts of your personality. I think humor, that's why les I also think lesbians dominate comedy as well. So many gay women in comedy. And I think it's because funniness, humor is like a male trait and so we just we're more free to explore that because we don't have to like make ourselves attractive to men. Right. And so I think like women, gay women naturally gravitate to that stuff. So when you say funniness, humor is more like a male trait, you mean the perception is that it's more male, right? Yes. Yes. I don't actually, for any listener out there that's like, yeah, men are objectively funny. <laughs> um, women with our very small brains, very hard for us to formulate jokes. Um, <laughs> I t- I actually take testosterone so that I can write my jokes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, t- testosterone is uh <laughs> is known for helping the writing. All right, well, listen, hit the road. Oh, what's your um, uh, what's your uh, Instagram? Ash Gavs. All right. So thanks to Ashley. Thanks to you guys. It's great to be back. I'm actually sitting on my bed after getting a cortisone shot in my groin. I've had this problem with my groin since the end of like February. Very slow healing. Now I have, I have a sports hernia as the official diagnosis, which is apparently a controversial diagnosis. But essentially, it's just a tear in my where the groin and the abdom where, where the adductor and the abdominal muscles meet. So just to the right of my penis, I got a cortisone injection. Like literally an hour ago. Uh, so it's a there's a mixture of numbness and tenderness. It's 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 just a a bit of a violated feeling, but I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a progress report on that next week. It's my first cortisone injection, which is really just a sign that you're getting old, especially when you're not a professional athlete. And this, but you know I, I want to play I want to play some volleyball. I can't play volleyball. So that's, you know these are first world problems, but they are my problems. What am I going to do? Um. So I hope all my Irish listeners are enjoying. Society opening up a little bit, and I hope all the American listeners are taking advantage of our advanced level of vaccination. Hopefully you live in a place where that exists. If you're somebody who's resisting getting vaccinated, yeah, sure, uh, it's your body, your choice, but you're probably choosing to keep an open mind to certain information and closing your mind to other information, despite your I guess, keenness to point out that other people need to keep an open mind to whatever anti-vaccination material that you've been reading, but you you seem to close your mind to, uh, well, you know, much more than a century of science of the success of vaccines. You focus, obviously, much more on the limited, but clearly there has been some uh, adverse reactions to vaccines and negative outcomes of vaccine. They are... uh, a, a large, large, a deep minority of experiences uh, in human history. Uh, vaccine development has been one of the great scientific advancements. Uh, but you're choosing to ignore that to focus on a small amount of negatives, which are, first of all, exaggerated. And uh, they're um, not really present in this case. Uh, of course, there's a risk. Uh, we, we're accepting the risk, though. 
uh, because in my opinion, the positives well outweigh the risks. I appreciate that uh, you're deep in this uh, critical of the vaccine information, and it does feel very real. I, I, I don't dismiss that at all. But I will point out that this isn't the first anti-vaccination uh, controversy that I've seen in my life. And in the end, most of the time, the real information wins out. Sometimes it, it loses early on, but in the end, it, it, it wins out. And uh, you're, you're, you're really, in my opinion, fighting a losing battle. Um, so my advice would be get with the program because... Areas where the highest amount of vaccinations are happening, they are having the best results, the most open societies. So, you know, think selflessly and get vaccinated. I am I am aware that some people will, you know, come at me for that, but I really don't care, you know. I'm just I've just had it with these people, you know. It's been it's it's been a while now with these anti vaxxers coming after me and I I just really like I, 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 I've, I've had it. Um, but, you know, each to their own. So, anyway, guys, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Um, actually, speaking of the Patreon, there was some stuff me and Ashley were joking about that I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to put this up. I don't, I don't want any of the pushback on this. Uh, it was kind of to do with testosterone and controlling testosterone in men. Uh, nothing to do with trans stuff just literally just kind of joking around about testosterone and how it's been bad for humanity uh but you know i didn't put it up because i was like you know i don't want to deal with anyone coming at me saying anything so i'm putting it up on uh on the patreon it's it's only like 10 minutes but i'm just putting it up on the patreon there's another little patreon bonus uh so if you're interested in that go check that out um but listen guys you've been so good to stick around after my little sabbatical And I will talk to you next week with Mark Hayes. See you then. Bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.